Throughout history, the Ten Commandments have been deemed to be important. For centuries, they've been the foundation of our legal system, at the heart of parliamentary structures and the core of Western civilization. They have led to the development of individual, family and property rights. Indeed, it has been said that over time, human beings have created 30 million different laws, but they still have not improved on these 10. Yet sadly, despite them having such a historic place in our society, most people today don't know them. A survey of 1,200 people aged between 15 and 35 was carried out recently, and its findings show that most people cannot name more than two. And I would suggest that we can see the results of this shift. Every time we turn on the news, we see evidence of decline in Western society. Crime rates are rising. Families are breaking down, debt is at record levels, and the figures of drug abuse and other forms of addiction are horrendous. We are not as enlightened as we like to think we are. I guess there are a few reasons as to why so many have come to reject the Ten Commandments. Some see them as old and out of date. But have human ethics really changed all that much over the last 4,000 years? We certainly still have all the same vices, don't we? Some people have a very different attitude to truth. We don't like commandments. We would prefer ten negotiable suggestions that we can interpret ourselves and respond to how we want. Some people see them as an attack on individual freedom. Yet I would suggest that in getting rid of the Ten Commandments, we've actually lost freedom. The moral vacuum that has been created means that many of us do not feel safe going out at night. We don't allow our children to play on the streets. And all of our cars and houses have to have expensive locks and alarms put on them. I know it's a little different on Isla, but that's certainly the case in our towns and cities. The further we go down this path, the more evidence we see that God's laws do not necessarily restrict us as we once thought. Rather, they set us free. To live in order and harmony. And actually there is nothing so enslaving as total freedom where every human being can just do what they like. Yet of course at the same time as all of this taking place an even more worrying trend has been seen. People have not just rejected the Ten Commandments. They've rejected God himself. And what we're going to see over the next 10 weeks is that those two things are utterly intertwined. The Ten Commandments reveal God's character. They show us his heart for our lives and his plan for the world. God is the source of the Ten Commandments. So we cannot ignore them without ignoring him. The aim of this series is not just for us to memorize these ten laws. It's far more important than that. Our aim is to discover more of God. By seeking to follow his commands, we hope to come to know more of him in our lives and to become more like him in our characters. In many ways, then, the first commandment is the most important because everything flows out of this. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before 
me. Right away then we see that these commands are God's commands. They have his name and character stamped right through them. This is so important to realise as we read them. The Ten Commandments are sensible in and of themselves. We all know that murder is wrong, lying is a bad idea, it gets you in deeper trouble. The Ten Commandments are sensible. But they only really make sense when you get to know the God who is behind them. You see, Christianity is not just about obeying rules. Our faith cannot be reduced down to just a code of laws to live by. Now, Christianity is about getting into a relationship with the one true God and staying in right relationship with him. Take this for an analogy. Many of us can drive. And we all know that driving cannot just be reduced down to following the highway code. I mean, that's important. There'd be all sorts of accidents if we didn't. But that's not what driving is about. Driving is about travelling somewhere. It's about reaching a longed-for destination. And so it is with faith. Christianity is not about just following laws, although we end up in a crash if we don't. Christianity is about living a life with God and making the journey to his loving presence. And this is why then that first commandment is so important. You shall have no other gods before me. We now need to ask a few questions. What is this God like? Who is the God behind the Ten Commandments? Well, fascinatingly, we get a great insight into this by reading the two verses that prelude the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2 say this. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I wonder if any of you have ever signed a legal document. Something like a will. They always start with the name of the one who is making the agreement, don't they? I, Andrew Burnham, the undersigned, do hereby declare... And so on and so on. All treaties begin with a definition of who it is that is forming them. Well, this is exactly what we have here with the Ten Commandments. They're set out like a legal treaty. A legal treaty made by God. And in these opening two verses, God defines who he is. And from just those two verses, we need to see four very important things about God. He is our creator, he is our Lord, he is our king, and he is our redeemer. Let me explain. The first words we read in the introduction are, and God spoke all these words. And from that we are reminded that the God of the Ten Commandments is the God who created everything that exists. Do you remember how the Bible begins? The very first line on the very first page. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he create the heavens and the earth? He did it by speaking. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
Throughout that first chapter, a beautiful pattern is set up. On each day of creation, we read, and God said, and it came to be, and it was good. When God speaks, amazing things happen. Important things happen. Life comes to be. And it's this echo that we're supposed to pick up when we read the first line of Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words. The God of the Ten Commandments is the creator God. He is the designer of the cosmos, the architect of the universe. He is the maker of all living things in their breathtaking beauty. He is powerful enough to make oceans and mountains. He is intricate enough to paint a butterfly's wing. And the constant rhythm of day and night and summer and winter and all those complicated food webs of each habitat and ecosystem they all demonstrate God's wisdom. No human being could have come up with these things. And what is more, the Bible tells us that God didn't just create the world and then leave it. Rather, he sustains its existence moment by moment. Scientists speak of the laws of nature and they get excited when they discover a new one. These are just God's normal working patterns. God is the creator. There really is no other way of explaining what brought life into being. And every time we look at the natural world around us, we get another glimpse of how incredible he is. Now here is the relevance of this when we come to the Ten Commandments. If God personally designed everything that exists, then only he knows how it best all works. To ignore his instructions is as foolish as ignoring the maker's instructions for one of our electronic gadgets and instead trying to solve the problems ourselves with a hammer. It's crazy and eventually harmful. Whereas if we do follow the creator's commands, we will live much more in tune with the environment that he has made and placed us in. Which, as we all know, is one of the most pressing needs for humanity right now, ravaged as the world is by climate change. The Ten Commandments should be followed because they were spoken by the Creator God. The second thing we learn from the introduction is that God is the Lord. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord. Now that sounds like a bit of a truism, doesn't it? To say that God is the Lord. Are not those two titles one and the same? Well actually, no they're not. When we learn that God is the Lord, we learn something wonderful about him. In the Bible, whenever we see the word Lord in those small block capital letters, we need to understand that what is there in the original Hebrew is actually God's personal name. My name is Andrew James Burnham. God's name is the Lord. Well, actually, in Hebrew, God's name is Yahweh. But that name is considered so holy, the Jews dared not use it in case they offended God. So they wrote in the word Lord instead. Now, we know that Yahweh is the name of the Lord because he revealed that to Moses at the burning bush. The same Moses who he went on to give the Ten Commandments to. 
Moses had been called by God to go and do something incredibly daring. He was to lead the Israelites out of the clutches of evil Pharaoh. And Moses was terrified at this thought, so he asked God for some reassurance. He wanted to know God's name so he could call upon it for help at any moment he got into difficulty. And incredibly, God agreed to this request. He said to Moses that his name was, I am who I am, or in Hebrew, Yahweh. I wonder how recently you left a message on somebody's answer phone. What is the instruction that we are given? Please leave your name and number after the tone and we will get back to you. We leave our name because we want to be called back. And so it is with God. When he gave his name to Moses, he wanted Moses and the people to call upon him. And when you stop to think about that, that is an incredible thing. There is just no way that we could have ever found out about God if he had not first spoken to us. He would have remained a mystery that humans endlessly speculated about if he had not revealed himself. And time and time again in the Bible, God does speak. And when he does so, he shows us more of who he is. God, the Lord, wants to be known. He wants a relationship with us. And this is really important for us to understand when we read through the Ten Commandments. They are not ten arbitrary laws. They are an invitation to come. Come and discover more about me. And the more you follow them, the more you'll become like me. So God is the creator and God is the Lord. The third thing we learn from this introduction is that he is the king. Let's listen again. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God. Your God. In just two words, we are left in no doubt that God is the ruler over Israel. They are his people. And this expression of ownership is the language of a king and their subjects. As we saw earlier, the Ten Commandments are laid out in the form of a treaty, a royal treaty from a king to his people. And the Bible is unequivocal on this. God is king. King over all humanity. He is king over individuals. He is king over nations. He is king over history. As sovereign ruler, he is making all history work out to serve his purposes. And the Ten Commandments were given so that God would be king over Israel. And so that Israel would live as his people. We instinctively know as we read the Ten Commandments that there is a duty here for us to obey them. But it's not a blind, unthinking obedience. We can be encouraged to know that as we obey the King's commands, his good plans are being furthered. His kingdom rule is being extended and more people are coming to know about him. Now, it's a sad reality 
that as the history of the Bible continues, Israel decided to throw God off as their king. They wanted a different king. They wanted their own king. Indeed, they wanted to be king themselves rather than God. And you don't have to read very far in scripture to see that this lack of obedience, this spirit of rebellion, led the country into a complete and utter mess. So much so that God would have to send his son, his own son, as king of the world to put it all right. And as Christians, we know that one day we will bow before Jesus the king and have to give account for our lives. And we should remember that as we read God's commandments. So God is the creator, God is the Lord, God is the king. There's one final thing to see in this introduction. He is also our redeemer. Listen again one more time. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We cannot understand the Ten Commandments properly unless we pay attention to the specific moment when they were given to Israel. They come in the book of Exodus, the book that details the story of Israel's dramatic escape from slavery. As we reach the beginning of this chapter, we need to know that God has just acted personally on his people's behalf. He has rescued them, saved them, redeemed them from their captivity. He has set them free. And he's done it for one reason. He did it because he loved them. When God's people were suffering under the Egyptians, they cried out to God for help. And God heard those cries and he was deeply moved by them and he stepped in to help. The Exodus story is a story of love and compassion. It's a story of undeserved grace and favour. And this is so important when we come to study the Ten Commandments because this has been taught wrong over the years. The Ten Commandments were not given to Israel as a bargaining chip. It was never the case that if the people just followed all these rules, then they might please God enough for him to then come and rescue them. They were not a way of buying salvation. Not at all. God had already redeemed Israel when he gave them the law. He had already demonstrated his great love for them. For free. And still today as Christians, we don't follow God's law in order to be saved. We will never be able to do a good, enough good works to merit God's affection. We follow God's law because it's God's good guidance on how we are to live after we've already been rescued by him. Does that make sense? It's really, really important. The Ten Commandments show us how to live a life of love and gratitude to God. They are a guide on how to make the most of our lives. How to live them with joy now that we've been set free. James in the New Testament describes God's law in this way. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. 
God's law is perfect. It brings freedom. It leads to blessing. It is not a curse. It is a very good thing. Sadly, many people today believe the Ten Commandments to be wholly negative in tone and purpose. And that's because they just read the Ten Commandments as ten prohibitions. But let's stop and think about that for a moment. A negative command is actually far more liberating than a positive one. A positive command says that you can only do one thing. A negative command says you can do everything but one thing. Let me give you an example. Do you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? They were given a negative command. You must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sounds quite onerous, doesn't it? But not at all. That command meant that they could still eat of every other tree in the garden, but not that one. Yes, the law restricted them in one way, but it liberated them in so many more. And when we read the Ten Commandments, we really have to hold on to this. The God who gave these commandments is our Redeemer. He wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to know joy and fullness of life. He didn't give the commandments to restrict us. He didn't give the commandments to ruin our lives. He gave them to let us thrive. To flourish. Because he deeply loves us. If we follow his, if we follow his word, we will know freedom. So let's draw a breath and summarize what we've thought of today. If we want to get the most out of the Ten Commandments, we have to see that they are designed to lead us to the God who spoke them. He is the creator God. He is the Lord who wants to be known. He is the king of the universe. He is our loving redeemer. And for all these things, God is worthy of worship and he will be for eternity. And in light of these truths, all other gods are false and fake and finite. Not worthy of our attention for a moment. If we follow God's commandments, we will live well in creation. We'll get to know more about him. We will extend his rule on earth. And we will come to live free and joyous lives. We would be foolish not to recognize these things. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. And as God is God of every moment and every place, this commandment applies to every aspect of our lives. Not just church on a Sunday, but everywhere. Work, home, community. We are to give God the place that is rightfully his. So very briefly, how? How do we make God, God of our lives? We can praise him. Every time we praise God, we focus on him rather than ourselves. And of course, as Christians, we direct our praise to Jesus, who is the full revelation of the creating, revealing, reigning and redeeming God. We can make time to read God's word. It's the Bible that keeps us on track in life. God's word is our guide. We read it because he's given instructions to help us. We take the time to confess our sin. 
all those moments when God hasn't been the first in our lives and all the damage that has been done to our world and the people around us as a result. We ask forgiveness, knowing that the redeeming God promises to forgive. And we pray. Through prayer we recognise how God relates to every aspect of our lives. Prayer keeps us in touch with him and humble before him. Praise, read, confess, pray. Just four ways that we can actively make sure that God truly is the God of our lives and that nothing has been allowed to come before him. So our journey through the Ten Commandments has begun. Let me finish with a promise that Moses made when he had finished passing on this law to the people of Israel. Moses said this, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you. May we discover the promise of that blessing as we explore the commandments over the next month.